who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I am Alex and uh, I'm joined by Luke. Hello. Rich. Hey. And Chris Tilly. Hello, pod people. Uh, now, do you know the origins of pod people? Yeah. Well, then, explain it to some of our audience that perhaps haven't been around for all 239 It was when episodes. I did an interview with Robin Williams and uh, for a podcast. We were going to drop into the podcast and I explained to him that it was for a podcast and he said, what is that? Is that to? Am I talking to pod people out there? Is this you designed know what for a podcast? Pod? Was this was a long time ago now, and now he's obviously very au fait with them. So <laughs> yeah. The IGN UK podcast, and so he started doing this weird little thing talking about pod people and like talking to pod people out there in the ether, yeah. and it wasn't very funny. But, <laughs> but here you are, yeah, almost you, five you years resurrected later. Resurrected it. I, I, I mentioned it on a. On, I said hello, pod people, and yeah. then it, people seemed to like it. So I, I, I didn't actually realise that was the origin. I, I thought, thought you didn't. I thought somebody had written in with it. No, it's yeah. Robin Williams. There you go. It was one of the most painful five minutes of my life, actually, because he's one of my comedy heroes, mm. and he didn't say a single funny thing in the five minutes, but he kept going and going and going. So <laughs> I had to, I had to kind of do this fake laughing because. Yeah. Otherwise, it was just too painful. Has he, when was the last time you made a funny film? Oh, it's been a while. Mm. He does the fan. Oh, World's Greatest Dad's very good, but it's very dark. Comedy. That's really dark. Yeah, but it's quite funny. He's got yeah. his, his daughter's called Zelda after. What's your yeah, But I don't think that was meant as a joke. Well, really? Yeah. Was he trying to make jokes when you were interviewing? Yeah, him? yeah, yeah. It was like he was doing like a little routine that he was just making up on the spot, but mm. it's bad. You can look at it, it's probably on the site. It was for Happy Feet, I think, the first Happy Feet. Oh. Yeah, not good. There you go. There you go. Anyway, speaking of origins within the podcast, I've spent my last week listening to some of the early episodes. Yeah, Alex has been busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done nothing else. Um, it was pretty shonky. <laughs> the first episode yeah. in particular. Theme tune's um, different as well. Yes. Well, I've got... Do you want to hear the theme tune? Yeah, I do. Because now it's very upbeat. It's exciting. That was submitted by a, a, a listener. 
I wish I could remember who it was. Um, but if you're still listening, then thank you so much because it's lost mm. us many, many episodes. Let us know. We'll give you a plug. And this is this was the one that we launched with. Anyway. Ooh. Remember this? Yeah. Never liked it. I don't like that. I don't like it very much. How? Where did that one come from? Was it Martin's mate who we got to do? It, it? might have been, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Um, but I think we all agreed it was, sooner or later that it just wasn't much fun to listen to. No, it's just, it's very... You need something it's very like, 90s. You need something yeah. to wake you like, up. And so we got, we got a piece of music that would kind of well, that, get you going. We didn't commission that at all. It, it, he just submitted it. Uh, or she, because I can't remember. <laughs> but it was uh, fantastic. Also, uh, we used to have a dial-in line where people could leave messages. <laughs> um, uh, Which we, we couldn't get to work. Well, we, the first... Uh, I don't know if you remember this. This was our first ever piece of feedback left on the phone. Oh. Voice call received. Why don't you look at your fucking messages, you dumb motherfuckers, and give me a beta key. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I For do. what game? Um, so at the time we were doing, we were giving away beta keys to Uncharted Two, I think it was. Right. <laughs> and, um, and obviously he had some trouble trying to yeah. get hold of, of a beta key. So rather than like I don't know, actually going onto the website and applying for a beta key, he left a message on. Oh it. my god! It sounded a little bit like Chris. I thought. I think he might have had some anger management issues as well. <laughs> well, so you came up, I thought you were a talk, so we discussed it, and we did say that if it actually left these details, then I would have phoned him up and given a beat again. <laughs> but oh, here that. we are, uh, all these years later, and he's probably still waiting for his Uncharted 2 beat key. But uh, this is uh, Chris's uh, question back to him after he said that. Oh, no. Does he kiss his mother with that mouth? <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very quick, and... Uh, uh, probably one of your better moments. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You peaked early. Should have saved it for 250. I know, I know. So obviously, this, this is all uh, building up to episode 250, which is just a mere 11 weeks away. Um, and we're still trying to figure out what on earth we're going to do. <laughs> um, but again, you can find all of the old podcasts on, um, uh, well, through Google. Um, not necessarily on iTunes. I think that only keeps a certain number of them. Um, but it's interesting listening. And uh, episode three, if you like things that happen around the poo pipe, is an interesting <laughs> listen. I Do wish you know? we could, as a special treat, find the lost podcast to post around the time of oh, 2.50. That was episode two, wasn't it? It was episode two. Yeah. But then we had some more lost ones a while ago, didn't we? But then it just well. not record, that one. Well, Stuart didn't press record. Right. <laughs> That's what happened to that one. That's n nothing to do with hardware errors or technical yeah. glitches. He didn't press record. <laughs> we sat through the whole thing. I'm, I really hope this is recording, Rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, this is bad. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, because we had about three. Because I was trying to think of some of my favourite moments. And one of my favourite moments was when I was reading out about Michael Bay getting attacked by a fan <laughs> with a fan. And I just went hysterical reading it and just <laughs> broke down, like laughing yeah. about it. Reading it out and doing lots of voices. And um, it didn't record. Well, it did record but we lost it. Wasn't Sergeant uh, Wattaz, was it? No. no. It was one of the it's it's my highlight and no one ever gets to hear it. Oh. You can keep that one to yourself then. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tiddy was there. Tiddy was there. Yeah. I was no, it was funny. <laughs> yeah, I, it genuinely. But more laughing at Luke than with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got take the off of the smooth. Yeah. Office punching bag. Uh so anyway, that's what I've been up to this week. What about you, Chris? Uh, I went to a, a product event called Hasbro Christmas in July. So Christmas in July is a big thing. I guess I so, which I don't really know much about. No, but like, because uh, I've been to the Amazon one and yep. I've been to Curry's as well. Mm. Why is it Ill always in July? I don't know. Well, it's so people can get prepare their Christmas gift lists early. And Why not do it in June? 
I don't know. Okay. Second half of the year, first half of the year is a bit too ambitious. I don't know. I don't know much about it. No, but it's, it seems to be a much bigger thing. So you went to Hasbro. Yeah, just because they do Transformers toys, they do Marvel toys, and they do Star Wars toys. So we right. thought we'd see if there's anything interesting there. Yep. And I got there and remembered that I'm not eight years old anymore. So oh, none of that stuff was really for me. <laughs> Rude awake. You die inside of it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, no, it was lovely. They showed us around and I got a chance to play with all the toys. <laughs> like a little um, crutch. <laughs> yeah, I got to play with the Transformers Chomp and Stomp Gridlock. Good. Grimlock even, not Gridlock. Yeah. Uh, which was fun. You put a little Optimus Prime on him. And he all lights up and he, all the weapons start flying out because Optimus is sitting on him. Is That's it more quite clever. or less fun than the film? I haven't seen the film. I haven't you? Not seen yeah, the film. I was in You've seen Brazil. It, you? yeah. I can safely say it's more fun than the film. But you no, like Transformers. Why do, why do you not like Transformers 4 when you like Transformers movies? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I didn't like 2 either. I liked 1 and 3. So you only like the odd numbers? Yes. Right. No, 5 is going to be brilliant. There you right. go. They seem to have changed Transformer designs, though, for some of this toy line. Uh, they call them one-step Transformers, and you just do one thing and they're transformed. No. Mm. Which kind of takes the some fun of the out of it. fun yeah. out of it, really. It's, you kind of spin the Transformer, and when it comes back round, it's opened up to be a dinosaur, it's come in, and it's just like one spin or two spins. Do you think that's in, indicative of youth today? What, just being lazy? Just lazy. Yeah. The old Power like Ranger Megazords. Really the Power Ranger Megazords, you had to do so much to them before they transformed, and it was really like, you've earned that transformation. Yeah. Actually, I don't think it was a Transformer. I think it was a rip-off Transformer. But I had one, a robot that changed into an Apache helicopter. And you Mm. had to do so much for that. Yeah. Like, actually unplug things and plug it back in. But it was cool. It was wicked. They had actual Marvel toys that, that as part of the design, you pull them apart and and put them together with different pieces from different characters. So you'd have Spider-Man with Hulk's arm and things like that. And that all comes as part of a pack. You're supposed to do it. Which would worry me... If I bought that for my child, because I think it would just encourage you to break all your other toys. Yeah. You think that's what you're supposed to do. And they, the, 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 the ones they were showing us was reminding me of um, Sid in Toy Story. Right. You know, yeah, <laughs> the things yeah, yeah. that, the things like that he Like shoulders, yeah. arms of Kendall yeah. onto Barbie's forehead and stuff. But apparently that's been selling really well for them. There was a Spider-Man thing that's, that slings out um, a silly string, yeah. which made me laugh because it looked rude. <laughs> 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 there was a Star Wars Rebel Command Destroyer that... Um, you can use the force. I didn't really understand how that was working. But there was a kid with a, thi- a thing in his hand and he would go like that and then the thing on the floor, the destroyer would move. Right. It's like, like he was using the force. Oh. Magnets. And there was, on the gaming side of things, there was a Nerf gun hmm. with a GoPro camera attached to it. And so, and he showed me doing it. You fire the Nerf, the Nerf things everywhere and then you can put it on your computer and it did look like a first person, shoot- person shooter. Right. So I can see the it, idea behind it. It wasn't that. a proper GoPro, though, was it? No, it wasn't. I was going to say, because that would cost a fortune. They mm. call it the Nerf N-Strike Pro Cam. Right. And it's just got a little built-in camera. So but how much is that? Uh, that is 85 quid. Wow, that's a lot of money. You could probably buy a real gun for that. But you that. could shoot films of you, like... <laughs> yeah, but not from Toys R Us. <laughs> you could make films of you <laughs> shooting your friends and stuff and then turn them into little movies on your computer. Yeah, that's quite cool. I could see the idea behind that one. But yeah, some of this stuff's out, some of it's not out yet, but it'll all be out come Christmas. No whiff of any new Star Wars toys or anything like that? No, they only had that Star Destroyer. Right. Nothing else. Mm. So that was my uh, little event I went to. Well, we, because, uh, well, Rich and I went to the Curry's one, and I guess we saw, how big? We saw a 4K TV. Yeah. It was... I think it was 72 or 62, was, was I think it? it was in the 70s. Yeah. I think it was one of the biggest 4K TVs that they've got in the country. Mm. 
and it was amazing like really? the, the, the level of detail like when you get up close and you can stand like a foot away from it and not have that pixelization or anything like that yeah but it was it was i think 25 grand yeah 25 grand so that's that's more than 4k it exactly. is but they are yeah. bringing out a, I think it was a 50-inch one for six grand yeah. at the same time. Okay. So still, I guess that one's for... Than 4K. That, that one's like super luxurious. And it was curved as well. I'm not a big advocate of curved TVs, but I think that did, that but, did work. Well, so you can catch your face so on big. the corners when you walk past it. Or, but, it's but not it, that curved. Right. But also, yeah, because L... So that one was LG and they had a Samsung next to it. And the LG is curved. So I think it was something like if you put, was it 600 of them? Yeah. Then they form a perfect circle. That's <laughs> the level of the curveness. Whereas the Samsung, it's four hundred. It's it's more curvy. Right. But um, do you like them curvy? I do like a nice curve. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you do lose pixel definition around the edges, and I'm not talking about TV. <laughs> <laughs> I now want to do that. I now want to put four hundred in a circle and just stand in the middle and watch. That would be pretty badass sitting in the middle of that as your kind of your your setup. Or you could just turn around and look in a circle and. Just well, there's not a TV behind it. Yeah. No, but you can just look in a circle anyway because it's going to be a circular area. Was that so, like, rather than watching TV, you just look at a blank wall? Well, <laughs> no, just, but, that's a ridiculous you, thing to no, say. No, because you can only watch one point on the screen at any time, right? You, could, you can't what, see so it you, all. So you'd have a screen that was attached to your head and look around. Or like, like a that. mirror. But if Would you have, like, a mirror kind of thing so you can see other stuff no, behind that's it? that's ridiculous. Right. But okay, it, no, that's, imagine, imagine if a horror film was filmed in 360 and then... Something sneaked you, up behind you. Yeah, and it was like an immersive experience well, where you were part of the... That's kind of what the Oculus Rift is, virtual reality, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Rich. Anyway, we've lost we've <laughs> yeah, lost we've lost our train of thought here. But I want six hundred four K ZVs. That's basically the, the <laughs> okay. So if you're listening, no, if you have, you want him to buy Alex <laughs> for Christmas in July. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, I'll go for the fifty inches. It's only six grand a pop. If I was good at maths I'd do that. I'm not. Me either. I wasn't paying attention, so I don't know how many you need or how much the cost. Six hundred times five thousand. Anyway, let's go on to this week's news, shall we? Uh, you're I thought first. like three, three million or 300,000 I thought Richard had seen something he liked. 30,000. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I saw the... <laughs> no. That's why we talked about oh, yeah. it. <laughs> I, saw the, I saw the Android watch. So I don't know if you saw the Google I.O. a couple of weeks ago, if, if you're into that kind of thing. Is that the thing. Google Eye opener? Is that what it's called? <laughs> no, it was, like, it was basically a keynote that they I did. I know that. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just for those who didn't. Good. And By the way, they, Tilly just did a very good face there that you should definitely... That was yawning. Yeah, and you should definitely yeah. use that. Tell the story. Shall I carry on? Tell yeah, story, sorry. Rich. So they introduced Android L, which is a new operating system for Android. And they also introduced... L. Yes. Or Owl. L. Oh. L for, for, for the end of Owl, I guess. <laughs> and they also introduced the, um, the smartwatch technology that they'll be using as well. And I think it looks really good. I think I'll probably go for it if Apple's one doesn't come up to the caliber that they have. I still don't see the point of smartwatches. Yeah, what's the point of a smartwatch? Oh, that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And you're going to buy one and you're like, yeah. No, it's just cool I, I, though, I see it? the point, but I do. I, like, I think that's exactly why I want one. It, I think it looks cool. Mm. I can but, see the functionality there. So you'll there. spend £200 pounds or whatever it will be, because it will be... Yeah, but then you can buy a really nice watch for £200 anyway. But I'm I'm being ignorant here. What are the cool things that smartwatches do? Tell the time. Well, it connects to your phone and you can like change your music and you can see like your pace when you're running. And everything a phone does. Yeah, it's everything a phone does, but but it's like right there on your wrist. For me, because it's a long way to reach around and take it out of your back pocket. But the point is, is, you know, it's smaller, it's more convenient. There's lots of other functionality. But you still have it connected to your phone. Barometers and things. Right. 
That yeah, yeah, you still have to have it connected to your phone. But then you that can change your watch faces. Oh my! I God. think I think there's going to be some apps that come out that are going to be really good. What for about it. the Rolex like app that makes I puts know, diamonds I'm on the edge? I I'm not a developer, but You're for not me, convincing. Do you know what the one thing for me about it is? I'll be able to change my music on the tube because my watch will be right there when I'm crammed in on the tube. I can't get my phone out. My I just pocket. get my Ryanair elbows out and just push people away. But you can't really choose what you listen to. It has to be what you what you've already set up. Why to aren't listen you listening to? to the IGN UK podcast? Why are you listening to music? Just put it on and let it run. run. Yeah. Mm. From episode one, honestly, I want an iWatch. So, well, okay. when, when I get that, one and everyone's jealous. Side note: Won't that drain your battery on your phone even quicker? And like, seen as the phone only lasts about twenty minutes anyway. No, not really, because it'll be the watch watch's battery, and it'll just be a Bluetooth connection. But and that's I so, imagine so that would still so drain you have some. To charge your watch every single day, most likely. Most probably, but when, and if it's when do you again? sleep with your watch on? What? Well, you just take it off and charge it. No, but it's just another like thing that I need to charge on top of my two phones, my iPod, my iPad, and everything else. I don't need... I Alex don't cares about climate change. I've, I've had, <laughs> Easy money back. I've, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've had All this right. watch since I was 21. You oh. won't have yours for that long. No. Upgrades. And this still tells the time without yeah. me having to charge it. That's a good point. I still want one. I win. So was that Curry's in July, or was that Curry's Christmas in July thing, or was that just a... Yeah, that was, that the... was Curry's Christmas in July. But anyway. Am I the only one who hasn't been to Christmas in July? Yeah. All right, well, this is just... Okay. <laughs> just would have liked to go to Christmas in July. You get why, Christmas why in you, December. Why you have your own Christmas in July? Every day's Christmas. Uh... Why don't you bring mince pies in tomorrow? Yeah, right. All right. Can you buy them at this time of year? I don't know. Oh. My afternoon's all... You can make them. There you oh. go. Wow. Let's move on to the news. And uh, last week was Evo, which, uh, for the uninitiated, is a fighting game championship, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, uh, was, it t- was it Vegas? Is that where it took place? Let's say Vegas. Brilliant. Yeah. You know your fighting games. I do know my fighting games. I don't really... I mean, it's eSports, right? Which I've never really kind of been that au fait I with. I believe it was in Vegas. Yes. But there were some big announcements that came out of it. Um, firstly, the person who won the overall championship, uh, which was a French dog... French dude called Luffy. I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. Uh, he won using a PlayStation One pad. Wow, that's pretty. Um, bad, did actually. we find out why? I was trying to see if anyone had an interview with him or anything, but he said it's because it's wicked. Did he? Yeah. Oh. Ah. Yeah. So he just prefers it. I mean, it, it, it I, just I feels. I don't know why, but but the fact he has to get a USB uh, adapter to get it to plug in and. Did the yeah. PlayStation One this? D- so did it have it rumble? It a, well, it didn't have DualShock. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry, it didn't have the, the dual the analogs. Mm. Yeah. So maybe it's that. But a lot of people prefer sticks. Yeah. Not Luffy. A. Not Luffy. PS1 pad. There you go. Right, if he breaks one of them, that's going to be hard to find a replacement. Do you know yeah, how much he won? Anything? No. No. I'm just trying to think, because some of the esports prizes now, you know, like, to the number one team who wins the Dota International, hmm. it's going to get $5 million. Oh my god, that's a lot. Yes, you can literally make a living out of it, can't you? Yeah. Or just retire. But this is the thing: on a lot of things, you can't. On a lot of tournaments, there's only a few that can. But yes, there was some big announcements. Anyway, so the first one is Mortal Kombat X, which I'm personally very excited about. I play Mortal Kombat for the story, so I'm very excited. Mm. Um, what an idiot! <laughs> what? <laughs> you watch a... porn movies for the story? No, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they announced uh, Raiden's coming back, which I think was which t- is to me is everyone like, knew. Well. It's like announcing a Street Fighter game saying, Ryu's back. Yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. really? Wow. I think this is the thing, though, right? In the same manner of Smash, I guess we're going to have 
an announcement of a cat that everyone would assume would be back. But the roster, in fairness, is so big now. There are some who they could ditch out. And one of the points they did make is he is still going to be big in the story. But whereas yeah. in Mortal Kombat 9, he was like, it followed his story. Mm. Um, this one is not going to follow his story. He's like a peripheral character. But um, they, so he's the dude that wears the, the kind of the hat, the hat. pointy hat. He's mm-hmm. the Thunder God, and, yeah. Oh, uh, Thunder God, yeah. The God of Thunder. It's like Thor. In a way, minus the hammer. Right. And Chris Hemsworth. Um... But yeah, so and they've done the whole thing of the three different versions of him fighting again. They're all pretty much what you'd expect. But yeah, so Raiden's back and his fatality, we've got his fatality on site, which is pretty cool. What, what does it? he do? Um, he ends up throwing the guy into the air and um, electrocuting them like in the face until wow. it explodes. It looks hurt. brutal, doesn't it? Yeah. Looks- yeah, it, it, they've really gone, they've really upped the ante. So yes, yeah, so that looks good. Um, then the other bit of a news... So just very quickly, okay. the prize pot was... No, that can't be right. How much? It could be. If it was like £20, probably not. $20,000, but that was 2010. Go on, continue. Yeah, um, Yeah. so that's... Anyway, I think... So you've got three. You've got Storm Lord Raiden um, and Thunder God Raiden. Yeah, so there we go. And then the other announcement, which we definitely definitely went off without a hitch, was Tekken 7. Yep. Um, and not really much shown about that. We just saw, saw a brief trailer... Um, for it, like a teaser trailer that was grainy footage saying it was the final battle mm. uh, between Kazuya and Taihachi. Again, I play Tekken for the story, so... Uh, what? Exciting. What? This is really exciting. Is it? Well, yeah, think about it. It's been going on for so long and they're such dynasties, kind of, you know, the characters. You know the characters. They all have their own stories. They all interweave. All mm. right, tell me, what's Law's story? Oh, Law's story is always really... Bo- well, his son... Because Martial Law was the original Law. Right. And then Forest Law was his son. Okay. Who is the one you've played as most recently in the games. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Martial Law... Why is he called Forest? I don't know. I mean, Martial Law is obviously a pun, isn't it? Amazing. Well, it is. <laughs> it's, it's a pun. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, Tekken 7 is coming and it's going to focus on Kazuya and, um, and Hihachi's final battle. And apparently Hihachi's wife, who the implication for the trailer seemed to be he might have killed her. But that he that um, Kazuya got the devil gene from her, and um, we I don't think we've ever met her, but she could feature in the game. So right. exciting! Um, sorry, I'm still looking to see how much money you won. You won the, so Capcom gave a bonus ten thousand dollars on top of the prize. Uh-huh. I think it changes basically depending how many people are there. Mm. So anyway, you got a minimum of probably twenty grand. It's, it's nice, not. Isn't it? just it's all right, but fire. it's not enough when you think like uh, Vince did a piece on it basically saying it's not really enough for you to make a living from uh, you know well it's not by the time because they don't they very rarely like the international they really you know they pay for your travel and everything that's all taken care of with stuff like when you have sponsors but mm. stuff like Evo there's not quite as many individual sponsorships so you anything they win will probably go towards their travel costs and their yeah. expenses so it's it's much harder and stuff like that there you go um and yes, and then the final one, which came just after Evo at the start of this week, was Smash Brothers. New characters for Smash Brothers. So, Captain Falcon's back. Yep. Falcon Punch. Falcon Kick. Falcon. Yep. Um, and then <laughs> the um, two. And then we've got... Falcon um, Headbutt. Falcon Barge. And then we've got two characters coming from Fire Emblem, which I have played briefly on DS. Um, Lucina and Robin. How many characters does that take up to now? 35. That is a lot. If I'm right. Um, and Robin comes in both male and female varieties. And I'm wondering if that's uh, kind of, hey, <laughs> Assassin's Creed. 
type thing. Uh, if it is, that's cheap. Yes, but they've they've given it both male and female versions, and I'm not sure. We're not sure if that's a reskin or if it is two seven characters, because it could then be thirty six or thirty. So Robin's from sorry, which game? Ro- uh, Robin and Lucina are both from Fire Emblem, and Robin is a boy in Fire Emblem, or um, is it a boy or a girl in Fire Emblem? That's I haven't gotten that far, but that's the question. Because that's my, maybe why there's a boy and a girl yeah. skin is because that's what it's you'd assume. Fire um, so yeah, so there you go. We've um, research. Raiden, Tekken 7, yeah. three new characters. Big, nice. big fighting game week. I've got some news. Good. So uh, at E3, uh, EA did a um, beta for Battlefield Hardline, which is now closed, but they have announced that they're going to make 10 changes to the game. Do you want to know what they are? Not all 10. No? <laughs> how, many, how many do you want? Pick five of the best. Five of the best. All right, then. <laughs> Transport vehicles are going to have more health. Okay. I think health is a funny word to be associated with the vehicle. It is. Mm. I'd say it can take more damage. Yeah. Mm. Uh, auto cues will be tweaked to give more valuable situation awareness. Good to know, but that concerned me. Yeah. Uh, two rolled into one. Heist and blood money will last longer. Excellent. There you go. Yeah. So you've been waiting for. Bit of cash. Uh, oh, no. What's going to be my last one then? Always oh, a more interactive world. That means doors, radios, ammo lockers. Okay. It's quite vague, but... <laughs> just, I'm just going on what they... Okay. And those were the best ones? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, They're right, actually okay. listed I'm gonna, quite... I'm say some more. Did I'm, you take that from... Uh, a story the... written by Luke Kamali. Yes, I did. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was actually put in, in a very convenient list format on the Battlefield oh, blog, wow. and I thought I'd muddy the waters by putting <laughs> it all into, <laughs> into paragraphs. <laughs> Why make it easy to understand? Well, you know, just wanted to editorialise um, it a bit. There are fewer explosives... Uh, to make it less detrimental to the gameplay. I'm reading out of the others now just to prove that. Yeah. There's nothing. Um, the mechanic class is going to be improved and renamed, but we don't know what to. Well, that's quite exciting because they're asking for suggestions, so it's kind of like, name that class. That's well, it's, it's kind of like an engineer, isn't it? Handyman. <laughs> I don't know Handy if it was Andy. called... I don't know if it was called the engineer in Battlefield 4. I... If it was called the engineer in Battlefield 4, then maybe they changed it. Yeah, but mechanic it. just sounds like he's going to go and take care of your vehicles, your which, yeah, which are uh, the getaway vehicle and stuff, you know, making Handy sure it doesn't man. break down. Handyman. Quick fit fitter. Yeah. Good. In- the in game HUD, this is two according to IGN's Luke Kamali. <laughs> the uh, in game HUD and customization screen are going to be cleaned up and differentiated from Battlefield 4's. Yeah, I'm speechless. <laughs> but I think it's good that hmm. uh, companies listen to what readers want. I'm sure Slow nobody went, can you make your audio cues a bit better so I've got better situational awareness? I'm sure they didn't say that, but they probably yeah. went, I can't hear what's going on. He sneak up behind and shot me in the face. Good. That's how people who play Battlefield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Listen to, listen to your players like we listen to our listeners. Do we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, respond to feedback. We do, we do. We read or out we, most of the Or feedback. we just crack up at it. <laughs> and uh, let's see how Luke's done with this month. This week's feedback. <laughs> this, no, this month isn't, isn't yeah. going well. Uh, I have actually, I remembered there was a massive bit of news this week that oh. we haven't got in the running order. But oh. I just looked it up, I just remembered it. It was in the mainstream news as well as uh, the geek news. Uh, Thor is a woman. Oh, yeah. You heard about this? I have not heard about this. What's I've this? heard yeah. about it, but I don't know the well, details. Thor's, yeah. going, Thor's going to be a woman. It's not like her surprise the entire time. But yeah. 
Yeah, uh, okay. Thor is no longer worthy enough to wield his magic hammer, and so a female Thor will be taking his place. Wow. He's been a naughty boy. Uh, it was quite strange the way they announced it, though. Uh, you know that there's the American version of Loose Women. It's called The View. I yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah, and yeah. it's got Whippy Goldberg on it and a few TV presenters. Mm. And so they announced it on there, on this very, you know, female-facing mm. uh, show. Whippy Goldberg was the one that made the announcement. It's very... I'm, I'm guessing this is in the film, not the comics. No, this is in the comics, not the film. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so the opposite of what you yeah. said. <laughs> so <laughs> complete swing and a miss, guess. really. It's completely wrong. Oh, yeah. I would have thought they wouldn't have had any interest in the comics, really. But I, th- I think it's... Oh, it's the, the view is... Yeah, Just it's awful. Fe- but yeah, it's a good, it's a big bit of feminist news, though I think. Yeah, and they're all- so actually called Thor. Actually called Thor. Yeah, so- this is not she Thor. This is not Lady Thor. This is not Thorita. This is Thor. This is the Thor of the Marvel Universe, but it's unlike any Thor we've ever seen before. After you say Thor so many times, it starts to sound a bit weird. Uh, Thor point. Um, wh- why is she still called Thor though? Because presumably that's that's the birth name that Thor was given by his parents. You say Thor a few more times. <laughs> start. Thor is also where we get the name for Thursday. Is it? Yep. That's a fact. Thursday. There you go. That is a fact. Uh, they've not said who the woman is. So she's wearing a mask a little bit, so her face is a bit... But it's a character, apparently. It's a woman that he has rescued in the past. So it's not Thor. So there's some kind of mystery there. They're just calling her Thor. Uh, she will be called Thor, I guess. Does it mean because she's wielding the hammer, she's called Thor? Mm. She becomes the god of thunder if she's got the hammer. But the hammer Majolnir or whatever it is. Thor is called Thor because he is Thor, right? Mm. Uh, it's yeah, not like, Thor it's not like be... Batman, where Batman is actually Bruce Wayne or... Yeah, um, yeah Thor is Thor. Dick Grayson and blah, 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 blah. Thor is Thor. Whereas this woman's not Thor. Mm. Uh, also, but this woman is not she Thor. It's not Lady Thor. It's not Thorita. This I, is Thor. I'm, I'm pleased she's not Thorita because that's I was, I was concerned. This is about this Thorita. is the Thor of the Marvel universe, but it's okay. unlike any Thor. But then I have no more information. Because, but then, but Thor <laughs> hasn't died, so but we're just going to have a very naughty boy. Yeah, he's just been a very what naughty boy. Uh, what did Whippy Goldberg said? Um, I'm not going to do this. Anymore, <laughs> <laughs> Good. Especially not after that thing with Ted Danson a long time ago, which you can all Google. Uh, it's a huge day in the Marvel Universe. I didn't do it. It's a huge day in the Marvel Universe. Thor, the God of Thunder, he messed up. <laughs> and he's, he did. He, he went for a bit of a <laughs> no, Please don't do that. Uh, and he's no longer worthy to hold that damn hammer of his. For the first time in history, that hammer is being held by a woman. So it's not really Thor, it's someone who's holding, <laughs> someone who's holding Thor's hammer. I don't think they've thought this through. Is um, Thor. 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 Yeah, but it's not, it's not she Thor. It's, it's not, not Thorita, it's not Lady Thor. It's not Lady okay. Thor. This is the Thor of the Marvel Universe. Is it Dame right. Thor? I guess we'll find Shall I move on? But I just thought that was something yeah. interesting what? to bring no, up. No, let's talk about it a bit longer, <laughs> <laughs> But it's not Thor, is it? Okay. Thor. It's not uh, she thought. Let's uh, move back to the news that we were going to. Say. Yeah, so I uh, spent yesterday, oh, early in this week, I just went to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I went, Don't look at the man I went to see 17 Minutes of Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, which we covered on the site previously when it was screened in the States, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Kevin Feige was there, the head of Marvel Studios, and he screened a little bit of behind the scenes footage from Avengers Age of Ultron afterwards. Awesome. And then I did a 10 minute interview with him, uh, the bulk of which will be going on the site near the time of Guardian's release at the end of the month. But uh, I've put some stuff up now of what he had to say on the, on the Ant-Man front and on the Age of Ultron front. So we kind of addressed the fact that Edgar Wright had been replaced in the film, which he hasn't done before. Um, he didn't talk about why Edgar left, but he, he made it sound like Ed, it was Edgar's decision. Mm. Right. 
he it sound like um, Edgar said he's had enough. He'd had enough and so left. And he's brought this guy, Peyton Reed, on board, who, interestingly, was in the running to direct Guardians of the Galaxy, which we didn't know about. Oh. Um, and he said it, it was a bit of a challenge actually getting him on board because I think, obviously, a lot of negative things were written in the press because Edgar Wright had been working it for eight years and yeah, people yeah. weren't very happy that they were just kind of chucking him. Mm. And he said um, I had to. it was not a slam dunk that he would just step in and do it. He wanted to be sure that he wasn't just inheriting something or following someone else's lead or wasn't inheriting something that the evil studio had watered down to be something bad, Yeah, which I thought was quite an interesting quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Feige said that they went to him and said, you can either read what's online or come in and talk to us and look at the stuff and he did and felt like he could bring something to the film so cool that was interesting well, uh, and is it still on track for yeah the... summer summer 2015 okay is it I still mean, gonna they... be the same screenplay well no it's not adam mckay came in and rewrote it and they mm. brought a couple of other writers in right so the fact i think there's been about four writers since edgar left oh. yeah i remember but he Brandon. said it's gonna it's gonna be true to what Edgar originally pitched eight years ago, but they're oh. obviously just tweaks cool. and bits and pieces that weren't working. Eight years, though. It's a long be, time. It must be mm. crushing to yeah. invest that much time and energy. Yeah. And also for someone then to go and do your vision of it. Yeah. But. Yeah, well, I remember, um, and it wasn't quite as long, I think he spent four or five years, but yeah, with El Toro, with The Hobbit. Yeah. Having to walk away from that. And I, he was, he, I remember him saying he just couldn't watch those Hobbit films because it was too painful, knowing how much work he'd put into it. Right. But on the flip side... It had to be Peter Jackson, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, it was the only alternative, wasn't yeah. it? Mm. Yeah. Um, and well, also, I said that before. I'm not sure now. After I've seen the second well, one, well, I'd always wanted to see the Del Toro's versions of this stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. just slightly different to yeah. what went before. Um, and we also the Age of Ultron stuff uh, was behind the scenes, but they talked a little bit about uh, the Avengers' new headquarters, mm. and I asked Feige about that, and that was quite interesting. He said that. Um, because S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist anymore, uh, Tony Stark is now bankrolling the Avengers. So I guess that'll be interesting in terms of how that dynamic works yeah. if he's running the show. Yeah. Um, he's also building the Avengers headquarters at where Stark Tower was, which they teased at the end of the last film. And Kevin Feige said, as because well, it's Tony Stark, as well as having all the business stuff, it will also have two bars. So it'll be a bit of a party pad for them. Right. Good go. place for parties. Um, and what else did he say? Did he say anything else interesting, Luke? I can't remember. In that one, did you talk about the Hulkbuster stuff? Yeah, he didn't. He wasn't really too. Uh, didn't give too much details. But I was asking him. They showed the animatic of Tony Stark wearing the Hulkbuster armor and fighting Hulk. And I said, would this be kind of like the money shot from the movie, like the three six they did around them in the first film that yep. got us all excited? And he said it's one of about six or seven moments in the film that he thinks are, are that exciting. Right. But that it will be awesome. Okay. But I guess he has to say that. Yeah. Cool. We saw the Hulkbuster in Iron Man three, didn't we? As well. Propping up the uh, the end. What was it? They were fighting on the end scene. Ah, okay. I can't oh, well, it's during that the, when everything is falling down around them. And he, uh, yeah, yeah. When the suits and are kind up, of. But yeah. he's only in it for like three seconds. Yeah, but he's there. Looking forward to that. I also asked about what was going on with the Submariner movie because there were rumours that um, Legendary Pictures, who did uh, Godzilla this summer and did the Batman films, would be doing a version of Submariner. But he said they couldn't. That the rights were just tangled up. But it was mm. a Marvel. Right. And uh, a few other things that we run later in the week, asked about Vin Diesel, whether he, he's doing Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy, would he do a live action superhero? And he was vague, but you can tell they're, they're cooking something up. Right. And um, asked him if Hugh Jackman could join the Avengers, and he said, not right now. And I said, you've made Hugh Jackman very sad. Uh, <laughs> did you have him next year? It's like his parents. Oh, that'd be nice if I could have him next to me in interviews, though. 
I think he'd probably just be take over the interview and just be a bit bit of a song and dance man. Yeah. Give me that curly whirly. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah. So lots of bits and pieces, and they're all running on the site this week and next week. And he was a very nice man. I really liked him. We've had him in before, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We have. I, I missed it. That's it for this week's news, I believe. Yep. Much, uh, yeah. And then rather than having a talking point this week, uh, Daniel chatted to someone rather interesting. Yes. Jason Bloom. Or is Who it Justin is? Bloom? <laughs> Jason. Jason Bloom. Ja- well, it, the, I thought it was Blum. The worst intro ever. <laughs> Jason Bloom. <laughs> is, is it Justin Blum? <laughs> <laughs> Of Blumhouse Films, uh, who uh, are the people responsible for a lot of the most successful horror movies of the last 10 years. Right. So... I'm going to look up just... I know you are. I'm going to keep <laughs> yeah. talking while you're looking it up. Uh, Paranormal Activity 1. Yeah. Paranormal Activity 2. Yeah. Paranormal Activity 3. Mm. Paranormal Activity 4. Wow. Paranormal Activity The Mark 1s. Yeah, there you the go. Spin-off. spin-off. Wow. And Paranormal Activity 5, which is coming soon. Uh, but they also did Sinister. They did Insidious. Jason Blum. Jason Blum. Yeah. Uh, they did The Purge. Mm. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we got The Purge Anarchy coming out. And so he came in to talk about that. And yeah, let's see what we had to say to Dan. Okay. Cool. So I'm joined now by Jason Blum. That's um, right. Jason Blum. Um, I'm always really conscious with surnames because I've got a bit of a weird one myself. Um, so you worked on the original Purge as producer. I did. But also several other films. I did. So things like our audience, I think, would know you from probably Paranormal Activity. Right. Insidious. Right. Sinister. Right. Them sort of things. Them sort of things. Uh, them sort of things. Um, so we're going to talk today about the sequel to The Purge, which is Purge Anarchy, which is coming out later this month. The Purge was tremendously successful based on budget because the reported budget about $3 million and made... Will I grow out of an excess of 90 million, I think, something like that. Now, that's really quite a sweet deal, isn't it? It's a good deal. It's yeah. a good deal when it happens. It's a good one. But that's always been the way with kind of, we'll, we'll get onto this in a minute, whether The Purge is a horror film or not. Right. But there are kind of affinities with horror, I guess, as a genre. But horror has always been tremendously profitable. Not all horror is, pro- a lot of horror movies don't, uh, like the the quiet ones, for instance, um, you know, it was the last movie that came out in the U.S. And I think in the U.K. it did not so great either oh, the, in the, the U.S. Ha- uh, the Hammer one. Hammer one. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So they're not all profitable. Um, but we, I mean, you, can, you make a very good margin on certain types of horror. You can be done quite cheaply compared to other kind of film genres. Horror movies definitely yes. can be done less yeah. expensively. Yeah. Um, that doesn't always mean they make money, but we've made a lot of... We've made a lot of... You know, cheap horror movies that haven't... They haven't lost, but they haven't made any money. Um... Uh, but horror, much more than any other genre, I think benefits by lower budgets. And we only make low yeah. budget movies at our company. We don't, yeah, we don't make expensive like, movies. For instance, like Del Toro for years has been like mooted to like be directing an adaptation of Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness. Who was? Who's um, Del Toro. Oh, right. Yeah, and, right. But to realize that kind of movie, you're talking hundreds of millions. Yeah. Big. And then to do it properly, you're going to have to put an 18 certificate on it in the UK. Right. So you're already cutting down the audience. So it becomes a more tricky proposition. And like you said, horror can be done very well on a small budget. But to get back to The Purge, like a lot of great horror movies, has a great central concept. So if people listening haven't seen the first movie, can you just quickly outline what the concept or conceit is? Sure. So the conceit is that uh, that the United States is, has defaulted, basically they've defaulted on our debt. The economy is terrible. Unemployment is very high. And a new government comes in. They're called the New Founding Fathers. And they, they've come in... Um, 
because of one law, and the law is that for 12 hours, a, 12 hours a year, so from one night, from seven at night till seven in the morning, all crime is legal. And there are little stipulations. You can't you can't detonate a nuclear bomb, but you can kill people. And uh, and there's two sides in the movie. There's two sides to this. There's people who think this is the worst thing in the world, which I would tend to agree with. Um, but there are people who love it, and and it's affected the statistics of the the un, unemployment is like one percent because unemployed people are mostly dead, uh, and uh, the economy is booming. So it's helped um, statistically uh, the new America. But um, but morally and ethically, it shows that the the the, the society is just completely corrupt. Um, when do you, what is the origin of that conceit? Because the idea of like a new political order coming in did that come out a few years ago when there were new kind of political parties emerging in America or? Um, for well, the, the the original idea, James DeMonaco wrote and directed the movie, and he had the, the way he, the way the original idea happened is someone cut him off. He was driving in Staten Island, which is where he's from, New York, and someone cut him <laughs> off, and he was like, "I'm going to kill that guy." And his wife was in the car and said, "You should, what if what if that was legal? You should make a movie about it." That's where it actually started. Now he made a movie about how horrible it would, it would be if you actually could do that, but um, uh, that's where it started, and then. Um, uh, oh, 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 the conceit originally was, there's still a lot of talk about it, but there's not as much talk as there used to be about the huge debt in the United States. And a lot of countries have it, obviously. Yeah. Um, and and the idea of what would happen if we actually defaulted on the debt. And none of this is in the movie, but the backstory that we talked about before we made the movie was if the US defaulted on the debt and let's say China called the debt and they took over the United States and they installed a new government and then they the new government started this, or they, the new government started this law. That's all backstory, not in the movie, but that's the stuff we talked about. So you Happily, we took that out of the okay. movie because it's pretty boring to hear <laughs> Nobody about. Wants to hear about no one wants to care. Yeah, yeah, international yeah. economic deficits. Yeah, it's yeah, not people, really like no, no, box office, no. is it? Yeah, no, well, no, um, exactly. But it was box office. It's tremendously successful. And a year later, you're returning with a sequel. So what... Was there an idea, like, you'd strike while the iron's hot, getting a sequel a year later? Were you set for a sequel were there already ideas in place should the first film like prove successful yeah def definitely so if, the first, we, if the first movie um if we always thought if the first movie worked the first movie was a kind of a tease it's more of a home invasion movie it's yeah all... it's, it's location like i watched it again last night oh, it's kind you? of yeah. like location bound where in the second film it's not and we'll get on to that in a minute but yeah it's a it's a more kind of focused film in some ways like yeah, yeah. We, we the first movie was was like a was like a tease and when we when yeah. we were making the movie and when we showed the movie a lot of people said, and we also thought, like, I want to see what's going on outside that house. Like when those guys knock on the door of the first purge, they're these bad um, college kids who upset this family. And, and, it's, and they've obviously been on some rampage, but you never get to see it. So the second movie, we always said if we got the chance to make the second movie, we'd like to make it about what goes on the outside so, yeah. in the purge. Yeah, because it feels like watching the second film, the camera almost like pulls back and you start to see what's happening across the city at large. Yeah. And is that why there are no kind of returning characters? You always knew that from the beginning, that you wanted to focus on new characters, new stories, 
new kind of situation, really. Well, we, we kind we, of resist the template of the first movie. Yeah, well, we killed Ethan, so unless we did a prequel, yeah. we, couldn't, we couldn't bring him back to life. Um, and uh, I think that was a result. I don't think we thought about we want to have the characters come back or not. One character comes back. But um, I suppose Lena Headey's character is not in a place where she would. She had no, she yeah. wanted nothing to do She's with it. She's not in a happy She's place. Moving, she she's moved, she moved to London. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where they don't have a purge. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. We'd have a really exactly. mild manner purge. Yeah, We'd she probably moved, slap someone. She moved to the Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, much safer in that world. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I think, I think the concept is like, it's, you could go on for, I mean, we have a million ideas of other Purge movies we'd like to make, so I hope we get to make them because you could tell a lot of stories with it, I think. Those kind of goes on, feeds into my next question. You've obviously worked on franchises that become annualized franchises like Paranormal Activity. Um, can you see that with the Purge? Obviously some of that's contingent on what this film does, but like you said, there's, there's already ideas in place. Yeah, I like doing franchises because people are really cynical about them. Mm. And I like, and that's the same reason I like horror movies. Like, I like, people are cynical about those too. And I like kind of being the underdog and then surprising people. So, on, on the Paranormal Activity movies, and by the way, sometimes this happens. I think Paranormal Activity 4, we did not get right. But Paranormal Activity 3. Oh, I really like 3. For, very yeah, much. that yeah. was my favorite one. Yeah. I think that was the best of all yeah. of them that we've made. I saw it about the nostalgia angle that's particularly affecting. Yeah. Because my the, favorite part uh, of the first the 80s, movie is when, uh, they fi- when they find the photograph in the attic, I think is my favorite moment. Of the, the first, first movie? movie. Yeah. yeah. And it almost feels cool. like three is based on that fo- that one moment, it like was. teasing it out. It was. Oh, there you go. That's a lot what we talked about. Yeah. yeah. It does yeah. feel like that. So yeah, like that's we interesting. Brought, we went back to that moment. Yeah. And we show the fire and stuff. Uh so, so to answer your question about the purge, I, uh, I, uh, I don't know if it'll be every every year, but but um, but I hope so. I think there's a lot of a lot a lot. Like I said before, I think there's a lot of stuff we could do. Like, I'd love to do something about the rev- the guy, the revolutionaries, the people who think the purge is terrible and yeah. are trying to stop it. I think there's a movie in that because I feel like people who might just hear the kind of the one line summary of what the purge is would be kind of surprised by Purge Anarchy because you start to delve into the wider story, a kind of political conflict, you know. I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm, obviously I'm, I'm um, emphasizing those elements, but it feels like you started to get into the the realm of world building a bit more. Yeah. This time um, I think, I think we, I think, I think that's true. I think we did. I think we tried to, tried to expand on so the it concept. It would have been very easy to do the first movie again. I know, but so, that would have been that yeah, would have no, been but such I'm saying a disappointment. Like, but yeah. yeah, like another family. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah another one shot kind yeah, of story. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you can get away with that. I don't think you can get away with that twice. The key of doing a sequel, obviously, is you have to make it different enough so people feel like it has a reason to exist and that it's new. Mm-hmm. But you can't make it so different that people are like, "Why is there a two or a three after the title that has nothing to do with the previous movie?" So I like working and having. Um, parameters to work in creatively. It's the same thing as a budget. When you only have a, a limited amount of money, it forces a, a parameter around what you're doing. I was and say I that. always think that makes it makes for better movies. Yeah, because you sometimes say that like impositions create inspiration. Like, yeah. With poetry, when you know that a yeah. poem has a set form, yeah. you kind of wrestle with the line and then you come up with something that's better than if you had yeah. absolute freedom. I'm going to use, I'm going to crib that from you. That's good. <laughs> but That's I was going to say that about time as well with an annualized franchise, knowing that you're kind of That's clock exactly watching. Right. Do you like working under yeah. those conditions? Because you know you've got to deliver a film yeah. by X day. Uh, yeah, I, I talk about that a lot. It's the same same exact thing. I wouldn't like it if that's all we did. Yeah. But I definitely, it's very freeing to have one or two or or or. Uh, you know, some of the the movies that we make under that 
under that time clock because it forces you to make decisions and uh, yeah. and there is something very, very freeing about that. Yeah, because one of my favorite films of all time is John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah. And made by a bunch of kids in a couple of weeks. And yeah. again, that's necessity creating things that if, you know, if you had six months of pre-production, it would that Michael Myers mask be scarier than a, a William Shatner mask that they, right. they painted right. white? It wouldn't right. be. It wouldn't so, be as good. Yeah. And it wouldn't be as like, I don't know, just that inspiration comes from those kind of impositions in that. I think that's especially true of horror movies. Like, yeah. I don't think you're not Spider-Man for $5 million is not going to be very good. Um, I don't think. I think there's certain certain like Marvel movies that that you kind of you, you need yeah, a, you need a big course. budget for Godzilla, whatever. But I think horror movies are scarier yeah. when they feel more. They're more relatable when they feel kind of grittier and lower budget. Yeah, I think money can get like gets in the way. Yeah, the yeah look at the Carrie yeah. remake. That just feels so bloated to me. It should have been a good movie. Yeah, the whole movie's in the trailer. So why well, no? But why was it? Do we? But 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 why? Why? I mean, I mean, I mean, a Carrie remake. If that movie didn't exist, is a, is a cool idea. I would think it would be good. Yeah, but it wasn't great, was it? No. Anyway, moving on. Um, talking about going forward, seeing different parts of the world. Now you talk about the primal event that sets up the world of the post. Would you ever want to go back? And see how bad things got, and necessi- what created a world that was so bad to necessitate the founding, the new founding fathers coming yeah, in. Yeah, well, power. one of the movies, one of the other movies that I'd love to do for the purge is the first year of the purge. So, so we spent a lot of time yeah. working on the working on on the first movie and the second movie. It's the your fifth year and the sixth year of the purge. So there's a casual nature of when it starts. Everyone's like, you know, yeah, it's it, part of the it's world, part isn't of the it? world. Yeah. So I would like to do a movie where maybe a little after what you said, where it's the first time there the purge actually happens where everyone's going nuts. Yeah. And like, then you would think some people are really saying how terrible it is. Some people are really saying how good. In the world we created, a lot of, most most people think the purge is good. Um, at least most most upper class people because it's about class too. Mm. Um, more so than ever in this film. More so than ever, yeah. yeah. And then we get, we kill rich people, which is which is my favorite thing to do. Uh, <laughs> you, you lived in LA for quite a while. I'm a revolutionary. <laughs> I lived in LA too long. Um, uh uh, but, uh, but anyway, I think it would be a cool movie to do, to show the first year that the purge took yeah, place. Definitely. I, yeah. I totally then we could agree. bring Ethan back to life. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Selling security systems. Now, not often as a journalist, do I use Wikipedia, but I, I'm using it in this one instance. Why not? Well, because Wikipedia, you, I, I, I but like not, Wikipedia. But sometimes you get in tremendous trouble. Why? Because it can be factually inaccurate. Re- I th- is that true? Jason, J- it can, occasionally it can be, yeah. I, I'm from LA. I'm like, Wikipedia. how could it be wrong? <laughs> it describes <laughs> the first purge. It's a oh, bit of a God. mouthful here. Science fiction horror thriller. Science fiction horror thriller. So is that a new genre? I know kind of genre classifications are kind of a bit silly sometimes. And there's some the, the ways to pigeonhole movies. But how would you describe it if you had to like place it within a genre? The first or the second? Um, let's talk about the second, actually. The second, I would say, is an is an action thriller horror. Yeah, in that in that order, I it would kind say. of flip. Yeah, more because the first movie, I think, is more kind of alignable with kind of home invasion horror movies yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So it seems like you're changing direction a little bit, but you obviously have a background working on lots of horror kind of films and franchises, Insidious, Sinister, and Paranormal Activity. Now, 
is that because you're a horror fan or is it something you've just kind of fallen into kind of producing? Um, well, I'm a huge horror fan now. Um, but when I started, I liked horror movies, but I didn't like horror movies particularly more than other kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I first did Paranormal Activity, but what I what I am a big fan of is the way our business model works. I kind of spent 15 years kicking around the movie business, loving movies, but never really finding the right fit for myself. A half of that time I was doing independent movies, which I love making, but hated the distribution because no one ever saw them. And uh, sometimes the crew was more people um, were on the crew than saw our movies. And, um, and the other half of the time I did studio movies, which I loved the distribution of, but I didn't, I always thought I wanted to make a big movie and I finally got the chance to make a big studio movie. And I I thought the experience was really totally soul destroying. So I was kind of at this growth interest. The movie, yeah. it was called the Tooth Fairy, right? Yes, but it, yeah. but it but the but it had but uh, the horror movie with Dwayne Wa- with the Rock um, <laughs> in a tutu, but uh, but it didn't have anything to do with that spe- that specific movie. I think it was making the machinery of the it. machinery. Yeah. Any any seventy million dollar movie comes with lots and lots of people involved in every decision, which I which is which makes sense because it's so expensive. But I just personally didn't like that. Yeah. And I thought I was going to like it. And then Paranormal Activity kind of brought those two worlds together. So it was a movie made totally independently, but then distributed by a studio. And I thought I was lucky to have spent those 15 years beforehand not knowing what I really wanted to do. I think if Paranormal Activity had happened when I was 25, I would have gone on to do like World War Z or Godzilla or like bigger. Yeah. Every The typical route for a producer is when you may have a success, make a more expensive movie. But instead of doing that, I said, you know what? I want to do that. I want to try that paranormal model with other movies. So what can we do that's low budget so we can do it off the grid independently and get released by a studio? And that's kind of how how it started. Everyone thought I was nuts. Then we did Insidious. They still thought I was nuts. And then we did Sinister. And then they were like, ah, maybe yeah. this guy's on Insidious something. is great. I think Lo- I loved I love Insidious. Insidious. I think yeah. they just throw every single type of scare that you can. James did? Yeah, James. Yeah, yeah. I've, met, I've met James before and my colleague's actually good friends with Lee. Oh, really? And yeah, just, just every type of scare and it gets more and more kind of elaborate at the end and it just goes crazy. And it end. goes crazy. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny. In the UK, people like... I saw it in screening. It went down like a in story. Germany. Everyone likes Sinister, right, so okay. it's so interesting. There's probably a deep-seated cultural uh, difference there. Definitely. I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> so is this like your home now, working? Because I looked at your IMDb before the interview, and you're a busy man according to IMDb in those few years. And this, you know, the sequel to a lot of these movies. So is this your kind of home now? Yeah, what, I hope so. Yeah. I love the. I love. I love what I'm doing. I love doing this so when you said like I'm branch I do I occasionally will do something else but I'm not doing not a lot of people but some people like dip into horror to like as a stepping stone to get somewhere else and I don't I don't ever uh, see it that way like I love horror movies I hope I make horror movies as long as people go to see them and if something else comes in our office then comes across my desk that uh, that I'm attracted to we'll make that too but not at the expense or not at the not not at the expense of doing less scary movies. Right, I was going to say, do, how are you actively seeking out the next kind of paranormal activity, or does stuff come to you, or is there anything you're currently looking at that you think might be the next kind of big thing? We're I'm actively seeking out new. The one thing I think about before we make a movie is is there is it new and different? I think the biggest mistake is to like 
which which Hollywood does all the time is once they have a success, they look back and say, oh, I want to do more like that. Like we didn't after Paranormal Activity, we didn't do any found footage movies. You know, Sinister and Sidious, yeah. The Purge, none of them are found footage. And um, and after Paranormal, everyone was like, I want to do yeah, found footage, right? Them, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like the one thing I'm always looking for is what's new and different. And we we make a lot of movies, and some of them turn out like those the movies that you mentioned, and some of them are very small releases, like um, like Rob Zombie's like Lords of Salem, and so we don't always have these um, you know big box office successes, which is fine because the movies are inexpensive, but but it also allows us to try different stuff. You know, it's another benefit of low budget is you can try if someone has a new idea, we try it. Um, earlier on in the interview, you mentioned Marvel movies, and you talked about horror being a stepping stone now scott derrickson isn't it from sinister is now dot strange is that's next right movie. um our audience are massively into superheroes as well as video games and other kinds of horror movies and genre movies working with scott is there something in him that you can see being a really good fit for that movie or working in that kind of marvel well universe? he uh well those are two different questions so first of all his favorite marvel character was dr strange he 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 so ask for him, the interview for, for him what do you mean for the for the job for the he, job oh, for, yes yeah. yeah absolutely no well it's good for that he said and he has he actually has a has a wallet that's all marvel characters on the outside of he's always had that and wow. he 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 said i just saw him recently and he had the wallet on the desk and i pointed to it he said you know i took that out of my pocket it's really thick and he took that out of his wallet and put it on the table at the unconsciously and he's like i think my that my wallet got me the job <laughs> um but uh but anyway, he, that was his favorite character. And I don't, Scott Derrickson is is definitely going to make more. Scott Derrickson loves horror movies. Mm-hmm. He does not look at them as a step. Yeah, He's not, he does yeah. not in that category. He's definitely going to make more of them. Um, he had an opportunity to get a dream job. A, a dream yeah. job. And I think a director and a producer, if I was a director, I would love $200 million to make yeah, a movie. Course. I mean, it'd be yeah. amazing. Um, I think a producer, it's it's less fun. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I think he's got this amazing opportunity and I'm th- I'm psyched that he's taking it. Uh, and then hopefully afterwards, he'll uh, he'll come back and do a little, a little scary movie with us. But he's producing, he wrote Sinister 2, he's producing Sinister 2, and he's going to be on the set of Sinister 2 quite Great. a lot, which we start in, uh, we start in four weeks. Great. Um, so I was, that was my next question. Were you, what's next for you once Anarchy is out, Purge Anarchy is out? So the next is Sinister 2? Well, the next movie we have coming out in uh, in October, which I'm excited about, is uh, is Ouija, which is based on the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that was a movie that was in development at, for $110 million, and we made it for five. So I was so wow. so I'm I'm proud of that. So what's the what's the kind of um, and, setup for uh, that movie? The setup for that movie is uh, a young teenage a uh, young teenage girl dies, and her friends um, use a Ouija board to talk to her, and and very bad stuff happens. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> the idea, um, and. Uh, and I'm happy with the movie. That comes out in October. And then we have this movie, um, which is which is not a horror movie, a movie called Whiplash, which was in Cannes, that also comes out in uh, in the beginning of November in the UK. And then we have Amityville, which Frank Calfoon directed, which comes out the beginning of January, which is a super weird version of Amityville, which I'm excited about, again, because everyone's cynical about Amityville. So yeah. they'll be, I think they'll be pleasantly surprised. And then uh, at the end of January, we have uh, an erotic thriller we did with J Lo called Boy Next Door. Okay, so those are the next. Uh, oh. Those are the next three, three or four movies that we have coming you out. Can erotic thriller? I know. Um, I love that. <laughs> you know who I learned that from? Really, um, 
um, is Ryan Ryan Murphy and I remade the Town That Dreaded Sundown, which is a is a horror movie from the seventies, a period movie actually made in the seventies about something that happened in the forties, and uh, he's really um, um, kind of tuned into high low, like he's like. And, and doing different things like this guy who makes Glee and American Horror Story and The Normal Heart, you know, and, and they're so different. And I liked his perception about that because I think I think um, I think he kind of has a good he has a good wow. handle on yeah. on that on that kind of thing. It'd be interesting to see how the other stuff helps out when you go back to the horror as well. Like, I think it does. Though. Yeah, I think it makes you better at making horror movies if you're if you're kind of looking at They're other constantly things. Constantly saturated with it. So one last question. Um, Paranormal activity is hugely popular on our site. Um, what's the future of the kind of franchise? Is there kind of a roadmap or you take it one film at a time? We're taking it one film at a time. The next film we start shooting in, uh, which is technically Paranormal 5, mm-hmm. even though it's the Mox, sixth yeah. uh, the sixth movie. So we start shooting that in September. And I will say about that movie, one of the things that I think people were frustrated about um, definitely in Paranormal Activity 4, but in generally with the franchise, is there a lot of unanswered questions. And this movie answers every, that was our goal. So it answers every question about about it. And in fact, um, some there's a group of us who kind of develop them. And one of the comments that someone made was, what would we do for Paranormal Activity six or yeah. seven, depending on how you're counting, uh, if we answer these questions? And I was very happy that the response to that was, let's not worry about, like, let's go for it. Yeah. So we're going for you it could completely. Defer the explanations inevitably. I know, and, it, and, I just, and it's so boring. In, it's, 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 and it's not, yeah, and everyone will lose interest in yeah. are, are already. I, you know, the marked ones was a better movie than it. Did you see? Did you see? The I've marked not seen ones? the marked ones. Yet. Marked ones was was it yeah. wasn't as good as three, but it, it, it to me it's it's definitely it might be the second best okay. one, but um a lot of people didn't see it because four was was kind of disappointing. Um, so, uh, so anyway, we're really shaking it up for the next movie. So either it'll work or not work, but at least it's going to feel like satisfying. So that was what Dan and Jason had to say about the current state of horror movies. And you can see The Purge Anarchy, which is in cinemas in the UK on July 25th. There you go. Let's move on to uh, listen to feedback. Who's got the first piece? I do. So this isn't really a question. I just kind of wanted to open it up to the group because it confused me. Um, so oh no there was just someone called Adam Wrigley wrote in saying I think Luke's underwear was shown in last week's podcast one I don't think that's true but two there's no kind of quantifier here is he saying he wants more underwear he wants less underwear or I don't know how to interpret that yeah at all. Well, read the feedback should it kick off with something like this Alex well, he's the person that's in charge of reading feedback. Well, you know what? You're just I trying just, to make it about you again. I'm not. It's a genuine question that was sent into our email address. It's and not I even a question. Know. But why do you think he's telling a mistruth? I don't know. Well, did you watch and check and see? Well, no, because I, I was there. I lived it. I felt Let's like, have a look now. I'm going to have a quick look. The good thing about last week's, though, was, was your faces. It's a blog girl image. Everyone loved that. Um, so, yeah. So, there you go. So that was... That was one thing. Uh, I'll see if your pants showed. Okay. Well, uh, I've got a piece of feedback from yeah. Shiraj Verheyla. Something like that. Hello, podcast lads. Sony is targeting Wii owners with a PS4. Uh, I've never owned a PS3 or 360 and still want to experience all of the PS3 exclusives. So the question is, should I still buy a PS3? Now, this question, obviously, we have answered many, many times. So thanks for um, picking that one, Luke. <laughs> 
<laughs> wasn't really a lot of choice actually um, so they're about 130 quid for pre-owned uh, and with playstation plus i've already accumulated a ton of great games whoops Hello and welcome to the IGN. <laughs> <laughs> That's Very last Or should I just skip the last gen, save 200 quid and jump straight onto PS4? I think if you are going to get something, you should get PS4 and you should get PlayStation now when that comes out. And yes, your pants are showing. They're not where? They are. Uh, Did you say no, they're not? No, I just went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, <go>. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you already had to scrub through? Was that it for that bit of feedback, though? That was, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go on to the next piece of feedback, um, which is from Johan uh, Jigsved, who says, with the upcoming generations of mobile processors, they claim that they will be as powerful as the PS3 and Xbox 360. Is it possible that in the far future there will be gaming phones that will be able to connect to your TV and using separate controllers if preferred? Similar to when consoles took away the need to have a DVD player. Look at Yuya, which is even built on a phone chip. Is this <laughs> phone is this phone console even a possibility? And if so, when could we see it? It's definitely a possibility. Absolutely. Bring back Engage, as far as I'm concerned. If you yeah. think that the uh, architecture behind PS4 and Xbox One is now in place for the next, I don't know, seven years, say. Think how much iPads, phones, and that can like move forward in that time—a huge amount. So I think it's going to get to a point where phones will become even more powerful. Well, it's, yeah. it's interesting because when I spoke to Andrew House uh, and Mark Sidney last week, mm-hmm. um, one of Mark Sidney's points was you can't, because everyone's like, oh yeah, what do you think's next for the PlayStation? He's like, you can't. Like two, three years in the future, you can't. He's like, you know, when we did the PlayStation 3 and the, for the first three years of that, smartphones weren't a thing. You know, it's the last four years smartphones have become a thing. And, you know, that's impacted their way of their design it's, things. It's been a bit longer than that. But, mm. but you know, this is, this is the point he's making. It's yeah. very difficult to predict what's going to come next. No, but completely, if, yeah. By yeah. the time we hit the next generation. In terms of graphics at the moment, you've got kind of like mid-range PS3 graphics on your iPad or iPhone yeah. now. So, But with the new iOS, because uh, they've got Metal, which is just a code name for mm. better graphics. Mm. Um, but that's offering apparently console grade graphics. The the problem still, I think, is the controller input. Yeah, you um, need you need a physical controller, don't I, you? I think so. I've even trying to play GTA, which is kind of optimized for iPad. It's really hard when yeah, you don't have yeah. a physical. It's sort of touch. I mean, touchscreen controls don't really work for me. Mm. But there was that. There's a few peripherals out and about, aren't there? That mm. you can like just plug in, and they are analog sticks. But they don't really. I, I, until you know, I think it'll be it'll get to the point where, well, even with PlayStation now, you're going to get Sony TVs that have got it built in, and you'll you can connect your DualShock, DualShock, whatever to them and play without the need for anything. So mm. it's going to be the same as that. Mm. So. I actually saw a guy on the tube yesterday playing a fighting game, and all he was doing was tapping and swiping up, tapping and right. swiping up. That's yeah. you're not playing anything. Yeah. So, yeah, controllers definitely. That I think like- it's 100% likely in the future. Time frame? I don't know. Maybe. I don't think it's that far off. I honestly three don't. or four years. And the interesting thing is that game that you're on about. That sounds very much like um, there's a Tekken game for mobile, and that's what you do. And they do they do obscenely well. They do yeah. ridiculously well. And yeah, a lot of these big yeah. franchises like Assassin's mm. Creed, Pirates, lots of big games going onto it. Mm. So it's clear that not only are mobile developers moving that way, but the big game publishers are starting to be like, you know, are taking notice. 
Hmm. Interesting. I have a piece of feedback from Craig Watts. He says, living in China, I felt I've had to comment on the commercial success of Transformers 4. The Chinese go nuts over Transformers here. I've lost count of the number of perfectly nice cars ruined by massive Transformers sticker stuck all over them. Uh, ranging from Autobot and Decepticon logos to full-blown stickers totally ruining the car. Uh, I don't know if this is happening in the UK as well. It's not. like we don't Thankfully, have, no. no. We don't have any of that. I think you get kind of boy racers, 17 kind of to 21, who stick loads of stuff over their car, like go faster stripes, whatever, take the badges off, that kind of thing. But nothing, no kind of like decal transformer. Just on, on that, I swear it was, was it the last World Cup when everyone had those bloody flags out of their windows I've seen quite yeah. a few this year. I, I didn't see I haven't seen any this time around I've seen maybe it's just London thing th- but I there's seen a car near where I live that's not only got one on every single window so four of them yeah but then they've attached a flag an England flag across the bonnet and pinned it and it's just oh it's horrendous mm. wow that's um my car it's <laughs> 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 your mum yeah it is that's Roy Hodgson's car isn't it <laughs> He says, uh, the Chinese cannot differentiate from what we would consider poor acting from good. Typically, Chinese acting is exaggerated and so over the top to the point that it doesn't look real. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't Maybe that's why they the love Transformers. Uh, I don't know. How dare Quite you say that about Marky Mark? Yeah. Um, also goes, goes on to the subject of British comedies. Mm. Um, loved our Partridge quotes. All great scenes. I was also young and when Bottom came out and used to cry with laughter over the Gas Man episode. Also, Red Dwarf and Ali G were favourites. Um, you guys seem... good at his time. So, what was Ali, Ali G? G was a, what was the other phone? The, oh. Phone jacker. <laughs> nah, the dude with the phone that Dom just Jolly. shouted. Yeah, Trigger Happy TV. Trigger. Good for its time and mm. Bo Selector, but very small. Yeah. Window. I'm a big Bo Selector fan. Yeah. Love that. Ooh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you guys seem pretty good with quotes. I know, I know them... I know them when you say them, but couldn't reel them off like you do. How about you see if you can guess the quotes readers send in? I'll start the ball rolling with... Nice night for a walk. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? It's a movie, apparently. I don't know. He sure will have no trouble guessing it. I don't know. I have no idea. don't know. Sean the Dead, something like that. I don't know. Um, Oh, have you not got the answers? No. Didn't send it in. And I didn't get this piece of feedback highlighted before we started, so... Feedback's been ready since before lunch, so... So... (laughs) All right, should we move on then? Yeah, so, um, hello guys, this is from... (laughs) It's from Andrew Smith, and he says, he's just finished Dexter Season 8 and was very disappointed in the ending. What do you think about how it ended? Now, I don't watch Dexter and have no thoughts whatsoever. I've not watched a single episode of Dexter. I watched Dexter all the way through up until the last season and everyone told me it was bad and I haven't watched it because I thought the one before was pretty terrible. So I actually don't know how it, know how it ended, which is a bit frustrating, but I've had enough people tell me, don't bother, it's not worth it. Yeah. So yeah, I think everyone's on the same page when it comes to that show. What a shame because it was so good the first two or three. Yeah. Have you, you don't watch it, do you? Papa? I watched the first episode two or three times. That's uh, where you went wrong. That's not how <laughs> TV series work. Are you not just meant to watch it <laughs> over and over again? Same time, over and over again. Oh. Mainly because I fell asleep each time I tried to watch it, which the same thing happened with Game of Thrones. I just thought, if I'm falling asleep so during this... you not this, watch Game of Thrones? No. no you fool. I know, I know. But um, somebody in the office is in the same situation as me. He's bought Game of Thrones on Blu-ray and he's watching them, getting through them. He's going to hand them is back to Dan me. Dan Kilby? No, it's Adam Dory. Okay. So... Hopefully, hopefully I will enjoy it. But yeah, Dexter never fell in love with it. All right. it's, it's brilliant. 
until the end. Uh, oh, can I just say Terminator? That quote. Oh. Ah. Say it again. Do it in Terminator. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. was going to. Yeah, go on. But I don't know if it's it's just do it in Terminator. Like it anyway. Nice night for a walk. Watch it tomorrow. <laughs> Why is it from Newcastle? <laughs> that's not Newcastle. That's Terminator. I. What? That's what he does. Good. That's quite good. He does what? Nothing clean, right? <laughs> <laughs> Get to the chopper. Ah, uh, uh, that's oh a better one. Predator. Uh, right. Uh, Gaz Roberts writes in saying, "I couldn't stop laughing when I found out." that Greg crapped himself on the way to class at college. Uh, I'd love to find out what you guys, or your guys' embarrassing stories are. Hmm. Maybe Luke was in an awkward situation when he used the wrong knife at a dinner party. Great. Brilliant. Catching on. Well, listen to the last 250, 230 <laughs> podcasts and there's a bunch of embarrassing stories in them. Don't if you missed the episode where Tilly had to excuse himself from the podcast. To, to, to be fair, that's a recurring theme. Yeah, to go to the you toilet. Your, that was... your toilet escapades. Mm-hmm. Legendary. <laughs> yeah. Did you do one then? <laughs> Rescued Jake Gyllenhaal in a toilet. Didn't recognise Wesley Snipes in a toilet. Got trapped. <laughs> looking at his face. Got trapped in, got a, trapped to- in a toilet and they had to use an axe to get me out. Oh All since I've been working at IGN. Uh... I can't actually think of any... Well, not any embarrassing stories that I'd probably share. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I don't think I've ever shat myself. You must have done That's when you were a know. child. <laughs> not even as a baby. <laughs> yeah. No, I was always immaculately high-trained. Um, yeah. You None never th- shat yourself? Well, no, obviously, presumably as a child, like a baby, but like... I shit myself last year. Did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, oh, oh. I had food poisoning. It was horrible. <laughs> you shat yourself. Yeah. You, did you? I fart? was in a state where I couldn't move. Where were? Where, where were you? I was in my bed. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, listeners. This is unnecessary. I threw up on on I, when I was what? ill, coming home from from work. I threw up on the tube, so I had to get oh. off. Oh, that's an embarrassing one. Actually, that'll do me. I do. Um, one of the first times I properly drank spirits um, was before our house music competition. So we were all kind of drinking for Dutch courage before you go go on stage and have to perform. Um, and That's so, a good idea. I, yeah, so I was trying tequila for the first time. Um, not really au okay fait with tequila. And so I did three shots in quick succession. Um, and I quickly, like, started coughing. My eyes started burning. It all went a bit wrong for me. Um, so I threw up. Mm. Um but I didn't want to get... We were in the school, so I didn't want to get the floor dirty. So I threw up, caught it in my hands, and then promptly just cut, tried to throw it away and, like, move out the side. Um, but I slipped on it then. I, I stood in the stuff that I dropped on the floor, slipped in it, and hit my head on the floor. And so, yeah, that, oh was, that was quite embarrassing. It was in front of people as well. So, yeah. You know, embarrassing stories don't have to involve bodily functions that will make our listeners switch off. Shall we move on? Yeah, I've got an email. Uh, Thanks for picking this one, Luke, because it's not something we address every other bloody week on the podcast. (sighs) But thank you for the email, Lewis Potts, who writes, "Do you get? how do you get into a company like IGN or an industry like video game journalism? Is it all about qualification or about working your way through volunteer work? It depends. Any advice, Alex? (laughs) (laughs) Well, as you say, I've given lots and lots of advice. Yeah. Well, Luke got into it by pure luck. Yeah, I did. It was total fluke. Let's do that. We yeah. needed somebody and you were the nearest person. At the time. 
But you do have qualifications. I do have qualifications, yes. I have an MA in journalism and NCTJ right, right. training. Wow. You'd never guess. I, I genuinely, I'm, I'm shocked at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do, yeah. I am, um, yeah. Which is proof that qualifications aren't everything. I thought you were homeschooled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rich, what was your way into the industry then? Let's um, go around. It was kind of through Alex, actually. Nepotism. Mm. <laughs> um, so my uncle works for Square Enix, and so does Alex's wife. Yeah. And it just turned out that you guys needed a video producer. And everyone got talking. How did I not know magic this? Happened. I don't know any of this stuff. I know. Yeah. It's just a mate of Alex's wife. <laughs> it's kind of... Well, it's, it's not even... It's less than that. It's yeah. A, a nephew of someone that my wife used to work with. Yeah, pretty much. But I also have qualifications, which yeah. is great. What are your qualifications? You can hold a camera. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a degree in TV and broadcasting. From where? Portsmouth University. Ah, Represent. <laughs> yeah. Alex, I have no qualifications. No, but you've been in the industry from before schools. <laughs> School, exactly. Yes. I made this industry. That's why I'm in it. <laughs> I'm not going to bore you with that story again. I used to be good at video games. That's how I got a job. Yeah. Well, I used to be on Games Master. With Patrick. That was after Moore? I got the job. Uh, well, he wasn't there. Although I lived in the same town as Patrick Moore. But that's not why I went on Games Master. That was just pure coincidence. And mine's, mine's a combination, actually. It was uh, I did do a master in journalism, but I also worked for free for quite a few places and just spent all my time writing letters to people asking for work. And then eventually someone wrote to me when a job came up. Yeah. But you've that's really rare. got it. Mm. I know. I, I was to actually get in contact with you. Out my of the blue. And it was my favourite magazine. It was the own job I wanted. And I nearly didn't get it for being overqualified. Wow. wow. He was like, we don't think someone with a master's wants a, a, a job like this as a staff writer. I was like, that's the only reason I did the master's yeah, was to get yeah. a job like that. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so you've just got to, I just think you've just got to so keep. So they thought someone with a master's in journalism was overqualified for a writing job. A staff writer's job, yeah. That's crazy. Mm. You get that a lot, don't you? Like people coming out of university because they assume that they're going to work for McDonald's and they won't let them work there. Well, the big thing is they assume that you're going to want um, higher wages. Yeah. If you've put that much investment into your kind of mm. qualifications and training, you're going to want a lot of money. Whereas, you know, the less qualified you are, the more they can get away with paying. Oh, but you would have thought that is the notion for a journalism job, you'd want someone who was that qualified, especially like mm. with NCTJ stuff. So, like they're mm. they're hopefully not going to get themselves or you sued. But I think I think the advice we give out before is work for you. <laughs> not really. Put yourself out there, but make it's sure joke, you're writing every day. If you've not got any kind of freelance work, then be writing a blog. Yeah. Just keep practicing and getting better at it. And or also making videos. Try and try and build up all the skills. Mine Video was, editing, writing, yep. sub-editing, understanding how to use all the social tools out there. Because we're now looking for people that can the do... Phone. You wouldn't believe how many people don't like using the phone. Yeah. I do like... You've got better, although the first time I told you to phone someone up, you practically shat your knickers. <laughs> <laughs> I, my, my way in was quite same, similar to you. I was pitching lots of freelance stuff and writing reviews for some MMO Did you work blogs. anywhere for IGN? Um, what, in journalism? Well, before you did work experience at IGN. Um, I'd done work experience at some. I did work experience at Games Master, and I'd done oh, paid work was on that with Robin Allway. Yes, oh. and I did paid work. I had paid work um, working for a toy trade mag, and I was offered the assistant editor job, and I turned it down for IGN. The assistant editor job. Yep. <laughs> what? <laughs> you only just done work experience. Yeah, and my starting wage was pretty impressive, <laughs> and but, I turned it so down. So the only to job come here. above you would have been editor. Yep. That's insane. Wow. Yeah, and I turned it down to come here. So. 
Think yourselves lucky, I guess. Well, it must have been a quality publication if you could have gone straight to like the assistant editor. <laughs> well, you'd without be amazed. having any experience, you'd be amazed. I showed promise. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But no, I did that for about three months, and then um, on like just a recurring kind of contract stuff. And yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> any more feedback? That's it. That's yeah. it. Uh, let's uh, move okay. on to uh, what's out this week. No games again. Brilliant. I know. <laughs> what can I do? I, I, I suppose I could try and make a game in time for next week. Well, there's a big film out this week that three of us have seen. Thanks. Yep. So let's tell Luke the ending of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yep. Now, we all saw that. I think we all thought it was good. I thought, well, I thought it was great. You thought it was great. I thought it was really good. Special effects are very, very cool. Exceptional, I mm. would say. I didn't like it as much as Rise. Same. But I know yeah. that a lot of people liked it more than Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It's made me want to go back and watch, rewatch Rise. Because mm. I didn't expect a lot from Rise, then I really enjoyed it. Um, and I can't actually remember that much about it. Yeah. I've got a terrible memory for films. Well, then you need whatever drug he was giving his dad in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Hey. What drug? Nice link. His dad's got Alzheimer's in it and he's trying to... There you go. Yep. <laughs> um, but no, it's a very good film. I think it's some of the best effects you're, there's likely that's happened, <coughs> excuse yeah. me, this thus far using <laughs> motion capture. You're right. Yeah, I just got my sentences mixed up. But in terms of motion capture, it's the best we've seen so far, isn't yeah. it, I think? Yeah, definitely. Um, Andy Serkis and Toby Kibble as well, who I don't think is getting as much attention as Andy Serkis, but he's brilliant as, um, is it Cobra? Cobra. The, uh, the uh, yeah, kind of the warmonger ape. Mm. Uh, he's fantastic. And the I like kind Maurice of the, as well. Maurice is awesome. Yeah. You know Maurice is played by a woman. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I thought the um the setting of obviously San Francisco that's been kind of overrun. Um decimated played it, but it feels a lot like um Last of Us. Mm. Um if they were to overdo a Last of Us movie, felt a lot like that. Yeah. And it's just nice to they see are it. Doing Last of Us yeah, movie. I was going to say they, oh, are, they? aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Oh. No, I did know that because it's the same story, isn't it? Yeah, That's which right. we were the ones who got that first. I did know that. <clears throat> yes. But it's nice to see a summer blockbuster that isn't just crash bang wallop. You know, yep. there's something going on there. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a really smart. <laughs> I wish they did do a summer blockbuster called Crash Bang Wallop. Michael Bay, Michael Bay, Michael Bay, Michael Bay, Crash Bang, bang Wallop. wallop. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh, I was trying to make a serious point there, but <laughs> it's, <fine. laughs> yeah. it's an intelligent film, though, isn't it? And so you, can, you can just go in there and enjoy it if you want to switch off as well. Good. It's Rebel. Good film. And Thought. the other film out this week is uh, The Pudsy. Pudsy the dog. Oh, not the... Is that one from Britain's Got Talent? Yep. Why on it's earth did they make a film like that? What's also, it about? Wasn't that like a while ago? Yep. I think David Walliams is the voice of Pudsy. Hang on, isn't it CG as well? It's not the actual dog. No, it's the dog. I'm, I guess they're CG the mouth because the dog can't talk in real life yet. But. <laughs> yes. It's not no, that it's... clever then, is it? I can't. Who on earth is going to see that? Well, we, well, we ask this every time and every we'll time I it think, does really I think well. You could ask, I was going to say, you could <laughs> ask that question, couldn't you? Which is in the top, top 10 um, biggest opening weekends of the year in the UK. Oh. Hey, yeah. it might be funny. None of us have seen but, it. Uh, no, is no, the be. trainer in it, the girl whose dog it is? I think so. I mean, I brought it up. I've not actually watched the trailer or I don't know anything about it. <laughs> but the lady's coming in for a meeting tomorrow who's doing the publicity for it. I thought so you could say the lady who owns the dog and no. I was going to be like, oh, amazing. We, no, we could have, genuinely, we could have got Pudsy in here. Oh, but now why I didn't like we? It. We could have played with the dog. podcast guest. 
Couldn't we have just played with the dog for the hour? Do you want me to get Pudsy in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get Pudsy in. Yeah. (laughs) This is why I didn't do it, because I knew Alex would overrule it, even though... Alex is on holiday. He doesn't need to know. Why do you want a performing dog? We've got... It's like when I wanted to get George Sampson in to do dance lessons with us. Oh, no. I've met George Sampson. I bet you have. Uh, (laughs) Met him at a magic convention. Oh, God. You do magic? Sorry. (laughs) Completely off topic. (laughs) Completely off topic. All right, uh, any that's it for uh, games and movies out this week, yeah? It is. If you're going to see something, go and see Planet of the Apes. Yep. That's <laughs> good. Not Pudsy, apparently. <laughs> no. We're not seeing him, so neither should you. No. Uh, that's it for this week's podcast. Yep. Uh, feedback, as always, IGN underscore UK, feedback, IGN.com. Uh, and next week, well, I won't be here, so you'll be left with this lot. Thor. What? I remember we were just saying Thor earlier and just seeing a... All right, uh, so I'll be back in three weeks. Until then, bye! Bye. We'll be back next week. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.